your Bibles, uh, please open to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Our uh, study tonight will be entitled, He Remains Faithful. He Remains Faithful. It was, it was so cool because uh, as uh, Pastor Joe asked me, and I, I accepted, I started praying, and right away the Lord gave me this verse. And um, I found out actually yesterday, uh, uh, Dr. Ray Chavez taught uh, this morning, and uh, I found out what he was teaching on. And he was teaching on, or he taught on, hold fast to your confession of faith. And so um, it was just, it was, it was cool the way the Lord worked it out, where I, I, I believe that that's just where the Lord has us as a church uh, for this season, you know, uh, building us up in the most holy faith, the Word of God says. And also tonight, he wants to remind us, of his promise of remaining faithful to us. God is faithful. He remains faithful. This is a constant theme found throughout the word of God. Uh, It is found over 36 times when speaking about God and God's faithfulness towards us. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God the faithful God who keeps covenants and mercies for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. In Psalms 89.33, it says, Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And also in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I believe the reason why this theme is found so many times within the Bible is for the simple reason that God wants us to realize and God wants us to understand and God wants us to get it into our thick heads that he is faithful. How many times have we prayed And God has answered our prayers. And it's almost as we're shocked. (laughs) We're shocked that God answered our prayers. And, 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 you know, I'm I'm there too, actually. There's times where I pray and I'm like, whoa, God answered my prayers. As as if he wouldn't, right? As if he wouldn't answer my prayer according to, to his will, not my will. But God is faithful. And so he wants to remind us over and over throughout the word of God. That's why there's... There's um, accounts in in other people's lives of of this faithfulness. God is faithful. He has been faithful, and he shall remain faithful to us. The problem is we live in a world where most people throw around promises and vows without any intentions of keeping them. We see marriages ending with broken vows, people suing each other over promises that have been broken. You might be here tonight on the other side of a broken promise. You might be looking back at your life. You might be thinking of how things would have been different if someone would have have not broken a promise or a vow to you. If they would have stayed faithful to the promise. But the good news tonight is this, that God is faithful. People at times are not faithful. We are not faithful at times. But he remains faithful. So let us get our minds off of the broken promises of man and onto the faithfulness 
and the promises of God. There was a quote that uh, I read in, in preparing this study. It says this, I know nothing which so stimulates my faith in my Heavenly Father as to look back and reflect on his faithfulness to me in every crisis and every chilling circumstance of my life. Over and over, he has proven his care and concern for my welfare. Again and again, I have been conscious of the Good Shepherd's guidance through dark days and deep valleys. And this is from uh, Philip Keller. Keller, it's, uh, it's out of the book, A Shepherd's Heart. God is faithful. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. But Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will, um, will he really find faith on earth? And, and, and at times our, our faith would be, will be shaken. But we must know that he remains faithful. He remains faithful. In Second uh, Timothy, uh, um, the books of First and Second Timothy are uh, pastoral epistles. But in uh, First, in Second Timothy chapter two, uh, Timothy, he's a young pastor. He's a pastor of a church in Ephesus, and he was exhorted by Paul to remain there when Paul left. So Paul, in chapter one of uh, First Timothy, he encourages Timothy to stay in Ephesus, and and he gives um, Timothy a task. Paul commanded him to confront those who were teaching falsely and to correct them. To encourage those in the church to pray. To encourage the people to live uh, peaceful lives before man and before God. He was to uphold the high standard of the high calling of ministry. And these were just a couple issues that Paul wanted Timothy to take care of. Easy, right? (laughs) Not so much, right? Timothy had to deal with these people in the church. And and it was a hard thing for him. The thing... um, that Timothy had to do would require him to depend on the faithfulness of God. Although Timothy was called in the ministry and he was called to do these things, it, it still wasn't easy for Timothy. You know, um, by, by, by nature, Timothy was timid. He was shy. He was young. And, and, and he probably looked at these, at these people in the church as, as being older, maybe knowing more than he did. Maybe he didn't want to um, want to want to hurt their feelings. He didn't want to disrespect them in any way, and so Timothy had problems. But as God called him and led him, he would learn that God was faithful. In Philippians one six, it says this: "Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be able to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ." He remains faithful. This God that the Apostle Paul and young Timothy serve is the same God that we serve or that we should be serving today. We need to remember that God is faithful. So let's jump into verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul considered Timothy his young son in the faith. And that goes to show the deep bond that, that Paul had with Timothy. You know, in uh, 1 Timothy 1-2, um, Paul writes and he says to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Timothy was being used by God in a mighty way, but he still had struggles. So Paul encouraged Timothy to remain strong. He told Timothy, you must remain strong. And, and I think so many times um, within the church, we're weak. You know, we're weak. When we should be strong, we, we're weak. When our, our, our faith maybe falters and, and things don't go the way we planned, um, it, it, it makes us stumble in such a way that we become weak. You know, we become spiritually beat up. We get tired. We want to give in. But Paul encourages Timothy, hey, Timothy, be strong. He says to be strong. Now, strong means to be mighty, powerful, able. It refers to things possible, moving with rapid force, not easily subdued or taken out, effective and efficient, especially in a specific direction. And this is what uh, Paul encourages Timothy to do, to be strong. And when we think about being strong, we usually think of someone with physical power, right? We, we look at someone and, man, that person's strong. Or, or we, we think of it as, as something physical. But as a believer, we need to know that our strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from anything physical. It comes from the Lord. Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. In uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul says this, Therefore I take pleasures in my infirmity and reproaches and needs and persecution and in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. And I like that because not, not all of us are physically strong. You know, as, as we start to age and get older, uh, we notice, man, you know what? I'm not as strong as I was maybe in my early 20s. And, and that strength starts to decline. But it, it's so good to know that in Christ, we have strength. We have power. We have this power and the strength that the world knows nothing of. And God will use us in a mighty way. And Zechariah 4.6 says, not by might nor by power, but my spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord, he is faithful to give us the strength that we need to get through, to overcome and to complete what he has set before us. He's able to complete these things. Not only does he tell Timothy to be strong, but he says to be strong in the grace. God offers grace. And without this grace, who could stand? Think about that tonight. Without God's grace, who would be here? You know, if we went throughout the room and we heard everyone's testimony or stories, and it, it would be, it was God's grace. It was God's grace. Our strength is not in our own ability, but it is found in the grace of God. And thank God for the gift of, of grace. Without grace, who could stand? Without God's grace, we would be dead in our sins. Grace is simply getting what you don't deserve. It's simply getting what you don't deserve. We deserve hell, but God offers heaven through his son, Jesus Christ, as a free gift to us. In John 1, 17, it says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hebrews four sixteen says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. There was work that needed to be done in, in the church, 
And Timothy needed this grace from God to accomplish it. Oh, how we, how we desperately need the grace of God. God in his faithfulness will give us what we need to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. We need to put our trust in him and realize that he does remain faithful. In verse 2, he says, And these things that you have heard from me amongst many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So these things, this encouragement that Timothy is getting from Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, hey, go out and encourage others. Don't keep it all for yourself. Don't, don't store it up for yourself, but give it out. Things that, we've, that, that we have heard. Paul was talking about the teaching of God's word, and he was talking about doctrine. He was talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ that he shared with Timothy. It's important that we read daily, like we're daily into the word of God. Not just to say that we've read that day, but to understand what we're reading. You know, to truly spend time with the Lord, allow him to speak to you. You know, so many times we're before the Lord and we're in a rush and we're trying to speak to God as we pray. And, and maybe we'll read uh, a little bit and we'll be on our way. But we, we lack meditating upon the word of God and, and allowing God to transform us through what we've read. And, and that's what really what God wants to do. He wants to spend time with us because he loves us. But yet, in, in the busyness of life, we may lack that. And we get, we get through our devotional quickly because we have to go to work. We have to drop off the kids to school. Whatever the case is, we need to go. And so God gets the short end of the stick. But Paul was encouraging Timothy, hey, pass these things to other people. Commit these things. Commit means to entrust, to put under one's charge, to guard, to deposit. Man, the word of God is so precious. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so precious that as you commit it to someone, as you give it to someone, as we've received this, we need to guard it. And that's why it's so important that we know what's found in the word of God so that we could defend what's in the word of God because it's precious. And think about this. The message that Jesus Christ gave to Paul, Paul gave to Timothy, and so on and so on, that's the same message that you have received. That's the same message that I've received. And, and as I share the gospel with people, that's the same message that I give out. As you share the gospel with others, that's the same message. It's a heritage that's been passed down from generation to generation. And, and it, it's precious. It's precious. You know, what? It, I, I don't know if you guys may have older pictures of your grandparents or great-grandparents you know maybe some of you know the stories you've you've um you've checked it out on 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 the internet and 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 you've realized where we where your families come from the things that you have there's things that are precious to you right i mean if your house was on fire think about it so many people are devastated because man not 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 because of furniture or things but the pictures you know they may have pictures that, man, this was my great-great-grandfather. He was in World War I, and I have this picture of him, and I, 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 I don't know what I would do if it was lost. Why? Because that's your heritage. That's, that's something that was passed down to you. While the Word of God has been passed down to us, and we should hold on to it, we should entrust, uh, commit, we should guard it. But we should not hold on so tightly to it that we don't give it out. 
We need to give it out. We need to deposit in other people's lives the word of God. Paul was trusting Timothy with the message of the gospel, the good news. Timothy was not to hold on to this message. What Paul had had given to him, he was not to hold on to. He was um, to give it to others. The message of the cross has been passed down. This is the message that we receive. In Acts 9.20, it says this concerning Paul. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So as the Apostle Paul was, um, or Saul of Tarsus was changed into the Apostle Paul, immediately he went out and preached the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Galatians eleven twelve, it says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me, this, Paul, this is Paul talking, is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor would, was I taught it. But it came through me from revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave this message. And then he says, faithful men who will be able to teach. You know, um, it, it, it's cool that he uses that word faithful because as, my, as, as the study was, he remains faithful. He remains faithful God. But I, I think a, a, common, a common reaction would be for, of God's faithfulness would want me to be faithful. You know, as, as I look at God's faithfulness towards me, there's nothing else I could do but to be faithful to him. And, and of course, we fall short in that, in that area of our lives at times. But that's most of our hearts is that, man, I want to be faithful to him who has been faithful to me. And, and so Paul instructs Timothy, hey, pick faithful men who will be able to teach. And if God is stirring up your heart, men, young men, older men, and, and he's calling you out, man, be faithful to that call. Maybe you don't see that call right now. Maybe it looks, that's the furthest thing from your mind. But know this, if God is calling you, you can't fight the calling. You can't fight the call of God. Let's move on to verse 3 through 6. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engages in warfare and tangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And so here Paul gives um, Timothy some illustrations. These were all common people that uh, Timothy would have seen on a regular basis. He gives an illustration of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And for the soldier, he says, you must endure hardship. In this life, we will have hardships. You know, um, man, any, any time in our lives, uh, uh, you know, any one of us will have a hardship. You know, as, as, as you speak to people, as you're able to pray with people, as, as you just pour into their lives and they pour into your lives and you get to know them, you're, man, people have hardships. You know, and, and, and you might think you have it bad, but when you talk to other people, man, they're going through storms. They're going through hardships. But Paul tells Timothy, man, you need to endure the hardship. In this life, we will have hardships. Jesus said this. He says, these things I have spoken to you that, you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulations, trials, troubles. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
And so Jesus straight up tells us, man, you're going to have problems. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. But then he gives us the promise of hope that he is faithful. And he says to be of good cheer for I have overcome these things. And so therefore, if Jesus has overcome these things, then the things that I'm going through, man, I'm going to overcome them sooner or later. Maybe not on this side of heaven, but I shall overcome. We need to endure, continue. Do not give up. Do not give in. At the first sign of trouble, our tendency is to run away. Right? Sometimes we just want to run away. I don't want no trouble. I'm going to run away. And, and that's our tendency at times. But instead of running away, we should run to God. But, and so many times we spend a lot of time running away from God. When, when we need to run to him, who knows if, if these issues in your life, is he, if he's using those to point you to him, to point you in the right direction, which is Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says there, it says here, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And, and this is great comfort because this says, hey, we could cast all our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. Our, our prayers don't fall upon deaf ears. You need to know that God is hearing. God is listening. As we cry out, he, he delights. It's, it's a delightful thing for him to hear the cries of his people. We need to stay focused. We need to focus on Jesus. We are in a war, and we should stay focused on the task at hand. So many times we are focused on other things. We're focused on other things, right? As, as Paul was describing the soldier, he says, no one entangled in warfare entangles himself or engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. The affairs of this life. The Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We need to live in this world, but we're not of this world. And I believe so many times we get too entangled in this world that, that the world bring us, brings us down. You know, we need, we need to not get entangled in these affairs. And, and in my own personal life, the Lord has been showing me this. I need to pray more. I need to pray and I need to keep my mind on the things above. And I need to focus on what's the mission at hand. Salvation. My family, my friends, my coworkers. Salvation for them. I need to be on my knees. I need to be praying for people. You know, people that come up and, hey, I have this prayer request. Can you pray for me? I need to pray not just one time and say, okay, Lord, it's in your hands. Constantly praying for them. And, and the cool thing is what I found with that is I have no time to be entangled in the affairs of life. I, I don't have time for that. You know, and, and I've even seen it in my personal life where it's changing. I, I don't know what's going on, but it's just changing. You know, things that used to bother me are like, oh, wow, I, I have other things to do. I have more important things to do. And, and my prayer is that that would continue. Not, not only in my life, but in the life of my family, my friends, my, my brothers and sisters, that we would just, man, don't get entangled in the things of, 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 of this life, with the affairs of this life. Why? Because we want to please Jesus. He's the one who enlist, enlisted us in this war, and we want to please him. So we want to stay away from those things.
We want to stay away from those things. We need to stay focused. Um, and, and so he talks about, the, and then he goes and he talks about the, um, the farmer, I mean the athlete. And he says, you know, the athlete, he is, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. According to the rules, right? The athlete doesn't just compete because he wants to compete, right? He loves competition. The athlete competes because what? He's striving to win something, you know? Think about the Olympics. I mean, even now the Olympics seem far away, but you know what? There are people that are, that, that are um, getting ready for the Olympics as we speak. There's people that have been getting ready for the Olympics since they've been at a young age. And that's all they've known. And, and they're just preparing and preparing. And, and, and they're preparing for something, but they have to prepare and they have to compete according to rules. There's rules that they need to follow. And, and so they have to compete according to these rules. Or else they'll be disqualified. Right? They'll, they'll miss the crown. unless It says unless he competes according to the rules... And the same is true for us as believers. God has given us the rules to this competition. And they're found within the word of God. And we need to compete according to those rules. If not, we'll be disqualified. And then he, he gives an example of a farmer. He says the farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The fruits that come in, he's the first to partake. And, and you know... Um, just picture a farmer going out into his fields. Maybe he planted corn, strawberries, um, whatever it may be. And he goes out into the field and he enjoys that. He, he, enjoys, he enjoys the crops, right? The first fruits. He's blessed by them. But the soldier and the athlete and the farmer, what do they have in common? The thing that they have in common is that they're faithful. They're faithful to what they're doing, Right? They, they have a, a, a task at hand, and they want, to com- they want to complete it. They're faithful. The soldier, man, he's faithful. If, if his commanding officer tells him to go, he goes. If the commanding officer tells him to stay, he stays, no matter what. If he's in war, and, and he's entrenched in war, he's not going to run away. He's going to remain faithful, even if it means he has to give up his life. The athlete... He's faithful. The athlete competes. He practices. He trains. He wakes up early. He watches what he eats. His mind is focused on getting better day by day by day. And so he's faithful to the task at hand. The farmer, and the farmer needs to be faithful, right? If he doesn't go out when the time's of harvest and he doesn't plant his crops properly, he doesn't work hard, then when it's time for um, the harvest to come in, he has nothing to show for it. And so therefore, he works early. He gets up early. He might work till late at night. But he's faithful. We need to be faithful. In uh, John sixteen thirty three, uh, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that, you, that in me you may have peace. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. I already read that. <laughs> but um, we, all those three... They, they have that in common, that they need to be faithful. And, and so, therefore, that shows us that we need to be faithful. You know, there, there's, there's something that God wants to do in our lives, and uh, we need to be faithful to, to complete that. Whatever it may be, you know, 
Maybe it's, he's calling you to the mission field. Maybe he's calling you to the mission field at work, <laughs> at home, whatever it is. You need to be faithful to that, what he called you to do. And then verse 7 says, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Now Paul wanted Timothy to consider these things, to consider all that Paul was telling him. Now this word consider, it means to think about carefully, especially with regards to taking action, to look up and down, to contemplate, take into account, to consider these things. I, it's the same word found in Matthew six twenty-eight through 29 when Jesus is speaking, and it says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so Jesus is talking about clothing, and he's like, Consider the lilies of the field. You know, look how they are. You know, um... They have glory. And so that's the same word considered. Not only that, this, this word is also um, in Romans 8.18, one of my favorite verses. It says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed to us. And so I like that word. I consider the sufferings of this present time. And then he, he, he goes on in, in verse 7, and he says... Um, May the Lord give you understanding in all things. Our understanding is from God. It's not from man, it's from God. Now this word understanding, it's reasoning with mind, using your intellect to grasp the meaning of, to understand. And I like that, you know. I, I like what the Lord's doing within our fellowship in, uh, you know, in the, the last couple of months because you know what? It's causing us to use our minds. And so many times when you're out in the world and you share about Christianity with people, they, they make it seem like it's a crutch, like it's a bunch of fairy tales, like it's a blind faith. You know, if any of you were able to come to the conference yesterday, man, the first study was how do we get the word of God? And I think that was just powerful. That's a strong foundation for us because the word of God is just not fairy tales. I believe in Jesus Christ not because I need a crutch, although I do, but that's not the reason. You know, we're, we're not ignorant, we're not foolish, we're not deceived because we believe in Jesus. And don't let the world tell you that. We have a mind, we could reason, we have intellect, we could grasp the meaning of things. And, and I think if anything, Christians have grasped the meaning of life. True Christianity, a true believer knows the meaning of life. Why? Because God has showed us through the scriptures. He showed us through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, most people, they don't know, hey, when I die, they don't know where they're going. You know, I mean, if you talk to some people, they just have really, man, they have, they have crazy concepts of what's going to happen when they pass away, you know. Uh, I'm going to come back as a butterfly. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to have a party with all my friends or whatever the case may be. I'm going to come back as a different person. Um, it's just crazy what they think. But Christianity, Christians, we grasp the, and we understand these things, the meaning of life. In Psalms 53, 2, it says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men 
to see if there are any who understand or who, to seek, who seek after God. In Proverbs 20, 24, it says, A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own ways? Our understanding is from God, and he is faithful to give us this understanding. Why? Because he remains faithful to us. In verses 8 through 10, it says this, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain salvation, which is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Remember, Jesus, the seed of David. Paul is reminding Timothy of who called him. And we need to be reminded of who called us. You know, who called us? Jesus is the one who's calling us. It's Jesus who we serve. We need to be reminded of that constantly. Jesus called him and Paul and is reminding him that Jesus is the Messiah, the expected king, the the deliverer, the savior, right? Because he says, Jesus Christ of the seed of David. In John 4, um, 25 through 26, it says, it says, I know that Messiah is coming. Jesus is talking to a woman at the well, and, and they're going into this conversation. They're talking about the Messiah, the Savior, right? They're waiting for this Savior, this Messiah to come. And she says, I know that Messiah is coming, who is also called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus tells this woman, and he says, I who speak to you am he. And so Jesus clearly says, man, I am the Messiah you've been waiting for. And so many times we're waiting for someone. <laughs> we're waiting for something to happen, right? Where it's like, man, Jesus is there. And, and we're like, man, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I, 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 and Jesus comes, and, and we have opportunity to, to accept him as our Savior. We have opportunity to come to him in prayer. And we're like, no, wait, wait, Jesus, out of my way. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for, for something to come, some, someone to save me out of this situation. And there's Jesus, and we're like, no, 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 wait, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for something. We're looking for other things besides Jesus. The gospel is the good news. It's good news because it offers redemption, forgiveness, salvation, hope, a new life found in Jesus Christ. We need to really think about who we were before we were saved. And not not to gloat and not to say, hey, I did this or I did that or outdo one another with our testimonies. But just think of who you were. You know, just just simple things before you got saved, before Jesus came and saved you. You know, I was thinking about that the other night of just who who was I before I was saved? And and I, I I quickly realized, man, I was miserable. I was miserable. I was I was lonely. <laughs> I was depressed at times. Uh, I had a lot of things in my life, but none of that made me happy until Jesus came into my life. And, and I think when we realize that, man, it's, it's, it's you, Jesus. You've changed everything. If Jesus doesn't do anything else in my life, he's done more than enough at this point. He deserves all the praise and honor. Now, I love what uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. And I think this is the meat of the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I, de- I declare to you that the, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, 
by which you also are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, to God's word, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren all at once, of whom the greater part remained to this present. At the time that Paul was writing this, there were still those who were alive who saw this happen, but some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. After that, he was seen by James, then by the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me, this is Paul talking, um, as by one born out of a due time. Paul was talking about when he was on the road to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, and Jesus came and knocked him down. The gospel message is alive and powerful. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's strong. It's powerful. And not only that, Paul in uh, verses in in first second timothy chapter 2 verse 8 through 10 as i was uh, sharing paul said that he was in chains but the word of god is not chained the word of god i mean so throughout time they've tried to get rid of the word of god you know the word of god was cast out of school um people looked down on the word of god at, at one point they tried to destroy all the bibles um People have always come against the word of God, but God's word remains strong and powerful, and, and it will. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall remain. The word of God is strong. It's dependable. It's reliable. We need to know that we could depend on it. And then Paul says, he says, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of um, chains. So Paul was considered an evildoer. Why? Because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says this. Don't consider, don't consider it strange. The fiery trials that are, are about to come. You know, it's many times we, we are persecuted. Or many times we're hated on. And, and we think it's strange. What, man? That, that bothers me that these people don't like me. Right? Um, the world is not going to like us. You know, the world hates Jesus, and the world is also going to hate us, you know. Um, When I taught the high school, I would tell them like this, haters are going to (laughs) hate. Haters are going to hate, you know. Haters are going to hate you just for the simple fact that you love Jesus Christ, you know. But yet they could love whatever they want, and they expect you to to tolerate it. They, They could share their world views with you and they expect you to go along with them but yet when you just share about the love of christ you know it's it's like you're murdering someone but we need to stay faithful we need to know that we are going to suffer we will suffer persecution and it's so important that we gather together as a body in christ why because we need each other i i I don't receive any kind of love out in the world like i do here and our hope is that the same is true for you. When you come into these doors, man, sing songs unto Jesus. Talk about him all you want. 
love to hear that. I love to hear that. This is where Jesus is proclaimed. Um, Verse 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying. For we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God is faithful and he keeps his promises. Uh, This was an early church hymn. In Paul's days, it, it was a hymn or it was a common saying throughout the churches. You know, they would go around and, and they would say this to one another. They would uh, read this during their times of meeting together. For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, this is a, a, a statement that is to encourage us. It's to, um, it, it's to stir us up. It, it's also to convict us. It's also to convict us if we die with him. Um, Matthew ten thirty nine. it says, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. For if we die with him, it's better to die with Christ. You know, this world is, is passing away um, many, I mean, there's going to come a time where we all die. We're all going to die. That's reality. Maybe some sooner than others, but we are going to all die. But you know what? Praise God. We, as believers, will die with Christ. And if we die with him, we shall also live with him. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. And, and that's good news. That's good news because... You know, um, man, people, people are afraid of dying. You know, people, man, that scares people. You know, um, hopefully I'm, I'm far away from it. But, man, even times where I think about it, I, I kind of, like, it freaks me out. You know, I start tripping out like, man, you know, I'm going to die one day, you know. And, and just to know that. But the comfort is in Jesus Christ. And to encourage us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When I take my last breath in this, in, on this earth, when I close my eyes, I shall open them in the presence of my Lord Jesus. And, and man, that, that should bring great comfort to us tonight. To know this, this Jesus that I've read about in the, in the Word of God, this Jesus that I've loved for this many years, this Jesus that I've served, one day I'll see him face to face. All the stories that I've, I've read, all the accounts of Jesus, man, I could ask him myself. I could hear the teaching straight from Jesus. And that, that's great encouragement. And, and I think we need to encourage one another with that. You know, because as we're going through trials, as, as we're trying to endure sufferings, um, we need to encourage each other. Man, we're going to heaven one day. We're heaven bound as the believer in Christ. We shall also reign with him. Man, we'll also reign with him. So not only Jesus in his faithfulness saves us, offers salvation, it's a, two, it's a twofold um, promise here on earth. Man, our life is so much better with Christ. I tell you, firsthand account, my life is so much better because of Jesus Christ. I have problems, I have troubles uh, like all of you, but it's so much better with Jesus Christ. And not only that, that aspect, but also... When I die, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to be with Jesus. So it's a twofold promise for me.
But not only that, let me take it even further. Not, not, only, not only does he make my life um, bearable now, um, not only does he, he uh, promise me heaven to be with him, but also, also he says that I shall rule and reign with him when I'm in his presence. And God is so good. He's so faithful to us. Paul says this concerning his life. In Philippians 3.8, he says, Yet indeed I, indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. The things of this world, I'm hoping that we will count as rubbish compared to Jesus Christ. Paul is not saying all this other stuff is rubbish. Family is not rubbish. Uh, children are not rubbish. Uh, friends are not rubbish. Those things are not rubbish. But he was saying, compared to Jesus Christ, kind of seems like they are. In comparison to our Savior, Jesus Christ. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Oh, um, my bad. I'm sorry. Um, we need to endure. It says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. So we need to endure. In James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Happy is the man who endures temptation. When temptation comes our way, what do we do? Do we give into it or do we endure it? And, and, and I'll tell you the truth, as you en- endure this temptation, as you, you fight this temptation, it, it's hard. It, it's much easier to give in to temptation. It's so easy to give in to temptation, but as you endure this temptation, man, what happens is it becomes easier. It becomes easier. And, and you don't have this weight of sin in your life. And the Bible says, blessed is the man, because you become happy. Man, you don't have to worry anymore. You know, you don't have any worries. You, do, you don't have to, whatever, you know. Um, you don't have all these things going on in your life. You, you're happy, you're blessed because you endure temptation. But temptations will come our way, but what do we do with them? And then if we deny him, man, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And that's a scary thing, you know. If we deny Jesus Christ, he'll deny us. In um, Matthew 10, um, 32, he puts it like this. Jesus puts it like this. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Good news. Good news, right? But whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Wow. Think about that. In your life, how many times have you denied Jesus? You know, maybe not by your words, but what about your actions? What about your actions? And then he goes on and he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He remains faithful. I need need to believe in a God who is faithful. Why? Because there's many times in my life that I'm not faithful. And there's many a times where we fall short and, and we're not faithful to things. Even, even the, the best of us. I'll be there for sure. I'll help. 
right? I, I was laughing because um, one time I was talking to Pastor Tony and we we're talking about that and he was telling me how, you know, so many people volunteer, you know, so many people, hey, I'm excited, you know, I'll be there, I'll be there. And, and Pastor Tony was saying through the years, he's, he's learned to have grace on people because they have good intentions, but, you know, things happen and, and they don't show up. But what can you do, right? We're, we, we fall short of the, of the glory of God. And, and, but the good thing is that God is faithful. He remains faithful. In Titus 1, 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God, who cannot lie. Man, I love that. I, I love that I serve a God who does not lie to me. He tells me straight up. He tells me the truth, good or bad. He tells me the truth because he is faithful to me. In Numbers twenty three nineteen, it says, God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God cannot lie. He's not like us. And why would you want to serve a God who is exactly like you? Why would you want to make a God into your own image? Don't you know who you are? (laughs) It's much better to have a God that is greater, much greater than we are. He remains faithful. I believe that God, God's word proves this fact. And as we read of the accounts of God's faithfulness to his people, he gives us several, several promises of his faithfulness towards us. And in your own personal testimony, you have proof of the faithfulness of God. If we got our wireless mic out like we had the other day, and we went around the room and, and asked, hey, who wants to tell us about the faithfulness of God? I would think that we would be here all night. I think that we would be here all night with story after story of God's faithfulness towards us. What should our response be to this faithfulness? What should it be after knowing that he is faithful? We should want to be faithful to him. You know, with this, God is always the initiator. Isn't that so true? God is the one who always starts this. I love what Jesus says in John 15. He says, uh, John, John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and you should bear much fruit. Man, that's so cool, right? We think, oh, I, I, I chose to follow after Jesus. And Jesus says just the opposite, right? You didn't choose me. I chose you. He was the initiator. In 1 John four nineteen, it says this, We love him. Because he first loved us. Once again, God is the initiator. Man, I love you, God. I know you love me, but you know what? I first loved you. God is always the initiator. So with this, knowing that he is faithful, our response should be, man, I want to be faithful to him. I I, want to be faithful to my God because my God is faithful to me. He remains faithful even when I am faithless. He remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He cannot, he cannot not be faithful because God is faithful. Why? Because his word says that he's faithful. And then God cannot lie. God is not like man that he would lie. God cannot go against his word. So therefore, the conclusion is this, that God is faithful. And so he remains faithful even when I'm faithless. So my response should be, Lord, 
make me more faithful. In In actuality, it should be, make me more like you, Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. And I think, and my prayer is that that would be all of our, all of our heart's desire. I want to be more faithful. You know, maybe I am faithful tonight. I want to be more faithful. Maybe I'm not faithful at all in a lot of things. I, I, I have a lot of good ideas. I have a lot of things that I think God wants to do. And, and, and I love to tell people about them. And they never come to pass. <laughs> That's our unfaithfulness, right? Uh, I'm hoping I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> Telling on myself. But we know that, that, that we're, <laughs> we're unfaithful at times. But God, he remains faithful. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, Father, we come before you, Lord, and Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your promises, Lord. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Father, you remain faithful even when we're faithless, Lord. Father, you cannot deny yourself, Lord. You cannot go against your word. You will not go against your word. We could trust your word, and therefore your word has so many promises of your faithfulness towards us. Father, even in times of hurt, in times of difficulty, in times of financial need, Lord, you are faithful, Lord. Father, even in times of of distress, Lord, times when we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, we don't know how to pray, you remain faithful. Even at those times where we we beat ourselves up, when we, we, we beat ourselves up about being um, unfaithful, Lord, you remain faithful, Lord. You are so good to us, Lord. And right now, I just want to give you an opportunity tonight with everyone's heads bowed as we're in a, a spirit of prayer. If you're here tonight and you've been hurt by people unfaithful to you, And you're having a hard time getting over it. So much so that it affects the way that you see of God. You don't see a God who is faithful to you. You see a God who never answers your prayers. You see a God who's not for you. If that's you here tonight, raise your hand so I could pray for you. And if you're here and, and, and you're beating yourself up about your unfaithfulness, God knows. God knows, and and he still loves you, and he's still calling after you. He's still calling after you. I think about Peter, and I think about Jesus restoring Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times, and Jesus came before Peter, and, and, and he restored him. Not only did he restore him, but he said, Peter... Once you return, go and strengthen your brethren. And that's just the goodness of God. That's the love of God. And so if you're here tonight and and you're beating yourself up about your unfaithfulness, stop. Stop beating yourself up. And look to God because he is faithful. Stop looking at people who are unfaithful. But look to the God who is faithful, who loves you. And if that's you, raise your hand so I could pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand as well. Yours, yours, and yours as well. 
Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, those that raise their hand. Lord, you are faithful, Lord. There's no God like you. There's no other God that I would want to serve but you, Jesus. You are the true and living God. You are faithful. You have been faithful. You shall always remain faithful. As I look back in my life, I see the faithfulness hand of God on my life. And you are not done. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just remind them you're not done. That, that they would leave tonight. There would be this just this, this freedom in their lives. They would look to you, God, because you are faithful. And also I want to give an invitation. As I've shared, as I shared in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about the gospel. And it's talking about Jesus. Jesus came to die for our sins. He died on the cross. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. The Bible says that Jesus rose again from the dead a 